back here for the, the 17th episode of the EJ Sparks Conversation Podcast. And I'm joined here by Blake, who is the third and final member of the, um, the Momentum crew. I've had on um, Janelle and I've had Dylan on. So it, this is going to be the completion of the trio, I reckon. Um, and it'll be, be a ripper episode. So welcome, Blake. Mate, thanks for having me. No worries. Um, today is probably just more of a, a chilled, I think, conversation. I just wanted to, uh, I find that when I come into some of these, these episodes, I, I get really like bogged down with the questions and like, you know, map out what I want to ask. But I, I think I just want to try and roll with a, a bit of a conversation and, and, you know, feed off what um, you're saying and your story and that sort of thing. So I suppose the way I, I do open my podcast is um, asking you, what is your weirdest habit? that you have um well oh mate there's probably a fair few of them i think um <laughs> good question um what is my weirdest habit i know you said this through and i didn't give it enough thought <laughs> um what is something that people pick up Probably been in the gym barefoot, which to me is completely fine. But um, a lot of people find it strange, me being barefoot, even out on the streets. And when you're down at Bondi, which is where I have spent the last 12 years and you're near the beach, that kind of makes sense. But if you're in the middle of the city walking barefoot, then it kind of looks a little bit strange. So... Although I'm totally comfortable with it and I feel best barefoot, yeah, um, it does wig a fair people out. Yeah. So do you, do you walk down the street barefoot as well, or you just sort of? Barefoot? I'm barefoot a lot. I yeah, for, for a number of reasons, I've always felt good with it. But it's also a very good kind of grounding tool in terms of cementing and grounding yourself. Um, so yeah, I feel best, and even in the gym obviously where I'm recording this now, if, if I had my way and if there wasn't OH&S rules that I had to abide by, I'd probably be, you know, taking groups and taking sessions barefoot as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it's funny you mention that actually because um, the course I'm studying is, is outdoor education and um, I suppose from the outside looking in, like my course and my, my cohort is probably more hippie, like, you know, that stereotype. And a lot of us walk around uni barefooted and they like all the other uni students can literally pick if we're, um, if we're an outdoor editor by, you know, seeing if we're (laughs) wearing shoes or not. And, um, I I fully agree with you. It's, it's definitely one of those things where you kind of ground you a bit more, you feel a bit more connected to the earth and sort of taking away that, um, that layer from um from you and the, and the well, mate, yeah i mean that that's awesome that you're doing that i think you know one of the best things we can do is spend more time in nature and you know there's so much research out there to prove the importance of that so yeah um you'll be in a good place if you're spending plenty of time in nature for sure yeah definitely um i want to take a step back to when you were you know in high school um and say year 11 year 12 did you know what you wanted to do back then did you know you wanted to go down the fitness industry or were you a bit you know all over the place didn't you know have any set goals or structures i think for me through my whole schooling the only thing i ever wanted to do is play afl 
Yeah. And um, it probably came pretty quickly after year 12 that I realized that wasn't going to happen. I think I was probably a little bit deluded earlier thinking that it could. Um, and when that didn't happen, I kind of had to pivot quite quickly in terms of what I wanted to do. And for whatever reason, I think I was pretty fortunate that it just kind of came to me one day. I didn't even know what personal training was until six months before I did the course. And a mate who was going to do it, well, I don't actually think he ended up doing it. He went to one of those information nights on, on you know, what's required to be a personal trainer. I was like, personal yeah. trainer? Like, that sounds interesting. I've always been into health and fitness. I love training. And that ended up um, happening pretty quickly. So I went and did paving for three or four months yeah which is enough for me to say for my pt course and i did it you know probably five or six months out of school um and super lucky that i loved it and i think you know you've obviously been to our workshop i can't remember if i mentioned it there or not but you know i reckon i'm probably one of the most fortunate people that i found something that early that i liked and also the fact that i really enjoyed it for you know, 16, 15 out of the 16 years. So, you know, I've got a number of mates, the same age, you know, 34, 35, 36, who are still trying to work out what they want to do, what their purpose is. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's a pretty common theme. So for me to find that so early and not only find it really early, but have it last as long as it did. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of super fortunate to be in that position. Yeah. It's incredible. And, like, were you, were you in Melbourne or Adelaide or? Yeah, I was in Adelaide for a couple of years. So I, I moved from Melbourne to Adelaide when I was 16, which is yeah. definitely not um, recommended. You don't want to kind of be moving states at that age, especially when you don't know anyone. But yeah, you know, definitely. Parents aside, that was uh, their, their call. And yep. then I did it for, I think I did it for three or four years when I was in Adelaide. And then the, my girlfriend and I, or the girlfriend at the time, and I moved to London yep. in what looked like to be a really good um, offer. And when I got there, the offer was completely different to what was spoken about here in Adelaide, which was um, pretty shitty. And then I kind of battled for probably five or six months and really struggled um, and then kind of came back with my tail between my legs. And the girlfriend had found work. She was doing really well. And I was like, you stay here. Mm-hmm. You you know, I've dragged you this far. You stay here, enjoy your time here and come back when you're ready. I'll go back and set up life. So, you know, I said to her, you know, I've dragged you to London. Where do you want to go next? Because we both kind of wanted to get out of um, Adelaide. And she said, oh, I'd love to go to Sydney. And I was like, fuck, awesome. <laughs> I don't know anyone in Sydney, but I'll do that. So got back here, um, Flew up to Sydney for a day of interviews. You know, things kind of fell into place and I moved a couple of weeks later with, you know, my backpack, my computer yep. um, and some, you know, and some clothes and, and just kind of started again. So, you know, it's, it's kind of been when the back's been up against the wall and you've had certain challenges that the best parts shine through and, you know, Sydney was, was and who knows, I may end up back there, but was one of the best times of my life for the, you know, the 13 odd years that I was there for. Jeez. So then you've, are you still in Sydney or have you only recently moved back to? No, I moved. So when I, when I closed down my fitness business in Sydney in yep. September 2018, 
I moved to Melbourne for a bit for a few management roles there. And then I moved yep. to Newcastle, which is above Sydney for a business development role. And then Adelaide for a business development role and kind of the transition, obviously, with momentum as well. So yeah. been a bit kind of jumpy over the last 18 months. Um, but as you're, you know, you're kind of aware of my transition, um, it's, not, it's not as easy as I thought it was going to be transitioning out of something that you spent your whole life into a new space. Definitely. Um, so so that, was, that, that took time. And you know, as soon as I found it, I was stoked, but that took time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, I kind of want to expand on that a bit and, and sort of touch on the fitness industry as well because you are still in that obviously yep. um yep. and how have you like found that industry and in, in working in it because you would have probably and I'm, I'm um cert three cert four qualified as well um but i don't actually um do it as such with a gym i i do a lot of it um just for free with friends or um, at uni and yep. um, i'm constantly sort of learning about that sort of stuff anyway but um you know it's a very it can be a very saturated industry as well. Um, and a lot of people that aren't um, in there for the right values. Like how have you found being in the fitness industry? I, th- um, I think you nailed it in a couple of sentences there. For, it's, you know, from when I started, like 17 years in this space mm. puts me in that kind of dinosaur category because I think the average lifespan of a personal trainer is nine months and yep. you know, the average income's maybe $45,000 a year or something like that. So to spend the period of time that I did and have in the industry, um, you see a lot. And, you know, for me, when I started, it was very much an exclusive offering to CEOs, to business owners, to celebrities, to Hollywood. And it transitioned a lot over, you know, that 17-year period. It started to become more kind of mainstreaming one-on-one and then only really probably nine years ago did group fitness really take off you always had group fitness within large organizations like your fitness first and everything so you had your body pumps and your les mills yeah yeah you know beyond that crossfit and and f45 really started to kind of change the game and i tend to think that it's become very um ego based and and more about the profile and the Instagram and the individual than it is about the clientele. And, you know, I was only talking about this with a mate a couple of weeks ago that I like, mate, to be honest, I was probably as much to blame as anyone in terms of, you know, I guess I, you know, and with the right people around me was quick to pivot when I saw that there was an opportunity to be a celebrity trainer, which is all bullshit in terms of, you know, finding your way through to different opportunities to, position yourself as a celebrity trainer you know yeah. used to be quite handy and now everyone's a celebrity trainer but you know and and it's it's an interesting space hopefully it comes full circle back and it comes back to like you know um the humility that once came with the fitness space but it's very ego based it's very me 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 these days um and it's saturated but it's it's also a very much in demand thing. So oh, it is. It is. definitely saturated. But you know, if if you are prepared to put in the work and you're prepared to set, you know, surround yourself with the right people, um, 
you can you can scale yourself pretty quickly. If I had my time again, the first thing I absolutely would have done is you know spend somewhere between six months and twelve months with someone well qualified and who'd spent plenty of time in the industry, so that yeah. I could fast track my growth. But you know, at eighteen, I thought I knew what I was talking about and yeah. just went it alone. So Definitely. that was the first mistake I made. <laughs> and um, and that's the thing as well. Like you know, um, it is like a a saturated industry but like as you said it's it's definitely in demand and i feel like that a lot of people don't actually understand the the proper science the proper um knowledge behind exercise and that's what i find you know with because i run a lot of boot camps run a lot of sort of things at uni um that i'm trying to explain things in a way that they understand and and can kind of um, relate it to themselves and relate it to their daily activity. But like, you know, there's not enough information out there about that sort of stuff. Um, well, that's, I mean, that's a hard thing as well, mate, is I think one of the really not, you know, one of the amazing skills in any industry is to be able to have the knowledge and then um, put it into a, or, or reframe it in a way that people can understand. So mm. you can be the most knowledgeable guy and one of the things that I've seen in, in the industry often is that the most knowledgeable guy isn't the busiest. And one of the reasons, you know, with a lot of these academics is they don't have the ability to connect with that person yeah. or explain it in a way that the person um, can understand. Or, you know, on, on occasions as well, they're more um, tied in with looking smart and mm-hmm. using terminology than they are in, in, related, in a relatable and understandable way to their clients. So, you know, if you haven't got those connections or you can't bring everything that you know and deliver it in a way that is accessible, appealing and understanding to your client, then you're probably going to create disconnection and um, it not be that, you know, appealing opportunity or service that, you, that you're providing. So, yeah, that's a skill in itself as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, um, I know that when you were speaking at the um, the event, and I was pretty shocked to sort of hear this, that kind of your life had changed or pivoted, what, only September last year that you started to pick up or like that? Um, um, like, obviously, uh, I don't know the whole life story but like you've obviously done really well but then you had a, a pivotal point where then you kind of started to form momentum yeah well it, it, it was I mean I you know I shut down the fitness business in Sydney in 2018 yeah um, and prior to that I was probably um, it was probably 12 to 15 months where it just didn't feel right anymore mm. and you know I'd, I'd developed some really good friendships in the business, which is great. And those clients even said to me, you know, some of my best girlfriends in particular um, who were clients are like, mate, like we're, we're probably not going to train anymore because you, you haven't got the kind of life in you that you used to. And I think that's, that's perfectly fair and, and reasonable. Yeah. And I kind of encourage people when their time's up, you know, in, in whatever service or, or um, industry that they're working in to kind of look beyond that. And from there it was, you know, it was literally pretty much 12 months to the day where I was, um, by the time I shut my fitness, fitness business to the idea that momentum came to me. Yeah. 
was was searching and directionless and purposeless and you know it was it was a really challenging 15 months because i had some you know i went through a really kind of severe situation with business although i could keep you know going on with business post that 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 really shook me up there was you know breakups there was closings of business you know i ended up in hospital with some illness there was just hit after hit yeah and it kind of wore me down but in all of that for me and you know not necessarily right or wrong with the breakups and everything the most challenging thing for me was being directionless and purposeless yeah and um i think for a number of reasons i think you know it's it's innate in us to have a purpose passion or mission and i'd also smelt the roses of how good it is to have that purpose passion and mission um you know i think for a lot of guys they're probably numb to that because they haven't ever experienced that fucking that fire within when they're when they're on point so I found that really challenging. Um, and then it was a week after I did a thing called ayahuasca, where, which is, this is often the case as well for a lot of people when they do plant medicine, they have these kind of, you know, yeah. light bulb moments. It was a week after that that it kind of came to me, this idea. And, you know, a lot of good girlfriends who were clients who knew me really well had been speaking about it for probably 12 months. I'm like, you've got to work with men. No one's, no one's kind of doing it the way that we think you know, you can do it. And for whatever reason, I was resistant. I think mm-hmm. for a number of reasons. I didn't really want to start, you know, having run my own business for 15 or 16 years, I couldn't fathom the thought of doing it alone again and, and starting fresh. And I just needed to tap out of running my own business for a period of time. Yeah. And then, definitely. you know, that came to me in, fuck, I think it was, I'm going to say late September. I've got the dates written down somewhere. One week after I'd, I'd done my little tea ceremony. Yeah. And then I rang Genoa and kind of floated the idea with him. At the time, he was in Sri Lanka. And he, he's like, yeah, dude, for sure. And I think he thought it was just like, you know, here's an idea. I was like, yeah. no, nah, mate, like, this is serious. And then a week later, I'd spoken to deals. And, you know, I think those boys only met two weeks before our first event, like in person. Yeah. So it was, it was six weeks from concept or idea to name to brand to event and that all happened pretty quickly so that was really cool the first event sold out in sydney we obviously had the melbourne event in feb march whatever it was yep late feb when was it late feb yeah um and you know the last few months have been really interesting in terms of really digging deep into men's psyche lots of research yeah market research consumer research and really starting to understand what our best offering is going to be and where, you know, where blokes are finding their problems. So mate, it's, I think the thing with it, um, you know, and I've said to you before that I really love the energy that you've got around everything you do is that when you find something that like lights a spark in you, yeah, it's easy. Like it's like for me, I don't like nitty gritty stuff. I'm more kind of creative and big picture, but I'm fucking like, I'm enjoying every step of this and every minute because it just, it, it fires me up. So again, in a really good position that, you know, what we're creating with momentum really lights me up and probably lights me up on a level that I never experienced, you know, in the fitness stuff. So to find two passions in a lifetime, I think is fucking amazing. And you know, this, this may last 10 years. It may last seven, it may last 15, it may last a lifetime. I don't really have attachment to, the time I'll know when my yeah. soul isn't on fire anymore and, and that'll be a time to transition. But 
I don't imagine this going anywhere anytime soon. So, yeah, yeah, mate, in a really good position, really good position. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's just like crazy how those sort of things can can come out of, you know, the worst times or like, you know, how those ideas just come to you um, in those sort of times as well. And that's like, I suppose, how this started for me was that like I did my knee um, and had, a, had to have a reconstruction um, in December last year. And that meant that my whole summer, my whole plans for summer were thrown out. Like I was planning on lifeguarding, doing swim teaching, like doing a heap of like work and, and doing some other, you know, adventurous stuff. But it was, I was completely thrown out and I was sitting at home doing nothing. And I was like, you know, I loved podcasts and just absolutely, you know, loved the idea of, of starting one, but never had an idea of what I could talk about. And then it just kind of came to me in that, that time as well. Um, and it's, it's crazy how like boredom can spark creativity as well. Well, mate, that's it. You know, like one of the big things you, that I'm passionate about is, is, you know, I love talking to people about their purpose, but I also, you know, am really interested in, in helping people find their purpose. And I don't, I don't necessarily know if, I mean, you know, there's a whole bunch of, people who, who talk about how to find your purpose and worksheets and whatever else to do. Yeah. I think, at, you know, at the core of it is a lot of this clarity and, this, and these creative juices come in stillness and silence, which, you know, is in part boredom as well. And, um, you know, for me, plant medicine is a really um, good option for kind of trying to get clarity on things as was Vipassana, which is a 10 day silent meditation retreat. Yeah. And for me, you know, problems that I'd had for 12 or 13 years that, that crossed between relationships and business and friendships and, and, and things that I couldn't see just came to me in light bulb moments in mm. that, in that Vipassana. And, you know, I was booked in to do it again in March and obviously because of Corona that got postponed, but you know, I'd really love to be in a position where I can do it once a year just for obviously a reset from, you know, I talk about um, stress being 90% of all um, illnesses and, and deaths or uh, illness related. Chronic, yep. um, and, you know, if I think, fuck, if I can go and do a 10 day Vipassana every year, what that does from a, from a, you know, resetting the system point of view. And then obviously from a creative um, and a lifestyle point of view, being able to join some dots, see things differently and just kind of, no, you know, be able to identify mm. my next move as well. So, mate, it's as valuable. It's it's hard. There's no doubt it's hard, but it's as valuable as anything I think that and that I've had um, exposure to. It's as valuable as anything. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you touched on um, like, and you've brought it up a few times the plant based medicines. I actually listened to one of your your episodes that you um, your podcast on that. Yeah. Can you can you explain that a little bit? Because it's it's still like a new new idea, new concept to me. Yeah, so there's a whole bunch of plant-based medicines and most of them happen in Peru and I think Costa Rica. Yeah. And at the core of most of them is DMT and I can't say it, so I'm not going to try and say it, but essentially it's a way for you to be able to heal, Mm -hmm. which we all need some level of healing, depending obviously what we've been through, but we all need some level of healing but also tap into new levels of consciousness and clarity and be able to identify kind of things that might be blocking you as well. So there tends to be, you know, if you're getting therapy, 
you should be able to identify some some barriers, some some blocks, whatever it may be. Yeah. But there's some things that you just can't get access to on 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 a talk level. Yeah. And that's definitely. where plant medicine becomes really um, helpful. And ayahuasca um, has been around, you know, if you do the research, it's been around for thousands of years. So while people think there's, you know, that it's wild and it's crazy, it was around well before we even created this, you know, manufactured pharmaceutical, you know, yeah. business that has, hasn't been around that long in comparison. So to have that is essentially a psychedelic. And again, yeah. there's, there's, you know, people have beliefs around psychedelics, although I think they're starting to shift with the amount of research that's coming out around the benefits of psychedelics. You know, I think if you look back in history, I think they were pretty um, accessible in the 60s maybe. Yeah. Uh, you know, you look at Steve Jobs who was taking LSD, you look at a lot of those guys who did it. And, and even these days, a lot of guys in Silicon Valley will go and do ceremonies to tap into new ideas new levels of create you know creation yeah um, and to, to find new concepts so it's been around and then it got kind of pushed aside for 30 40 maybe even 50 years and over the last 10 years it started to make a comeback so you know whether you're doing it for healing whether you're doing it to tap into a new level i wash is probably one of those things you know and i although i'm a really big fan of plant medicine it's one of those things that you probably want to feel called a little bit to because it can be a pretty wild ride. Yeah, um, yeah. You, know, you talk about psychedelics to anyone and they'll, they'll know that, you know. That's for them or not. That, that, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, there's, there's psilocybin, which is mushrooms. Yeah. Um, and now even MDMA. And, you know, on a um, micro-dosing level, there's this stack of research coming out of, I think it's mainly the John Hawkins... Um, uh, clinic, which is in part funded by Tim Ferriss these days. Um, so you're getting the right people behind it. Yeah. And even, um, fuck, what's his name? Something Golan. It'll come back to me. Pollen. Michael Pollan. He's got a book called, yep. a, a book, you type in Michael Pollan, um, Psychedelics. And he, he went and, you know, he was a very straight shooter and he went and tested all the theories and, and gained all the research as well. And, and it all kind of is pretty um, comprehensive in terms of how it benefits you. So um, it's, it's wild and it's out there. And mm -hmm. obviously in, in Australia, it's illegal at the moment, um, but the benefits are phenomenal. So, yeah. Definitely. Because have you, have you done... Um like TM, like transcendence. Yep. Done that trans as well. Is yep. that like on a similar level? Yeah. So you, the thing with, the thing with, um, so TM, Vipassana, like they tap into different levels of consciousness and awareness. Yep. Um, and my big belief and, you know, us boys as momentum, a big belief is that without awareness, you can't do much. Oh. So, Everything starts exactly. with awareness. You know, people say it starts with ownership. Well, you can't own what you can't see. So see, you need to yeah. have the awareness first. So all of those have their place. And, you know, obviously with Janelle being part of meditate uh, with Momentum and being big on meditation, the three of us are big on meditation. Mm. Um, and it's, it's, you know, as good as any tool out there. I think if you pick up Tim Ferriss's The Tool of Titans, 
which is a book around you know thought leaders and and those making the biggest impact in the world 90 percent of those guys talk about having some kind of mindful practice whether it's meditation or some other so you know it's probably moved away from just being a spiritual hippie thing to going okay so the world's elite performers are also using this and especially for guys it's it's what they need to almost break the stigma of meditation and it being a hippie thing so um, mate, both are really valuable. Meditation is probably, you know, especially for us in Australia, it's probably more accessible than plant medicine is. Yeah, um, definitely. But, you know, do your own research on plant medicine and, and when you feel called to it. There are some options in Australia. Obviously, it's it's full underground operation because it's illegal. So yeah. I won't do <laughs> go there. too much promoting it. But, um, mate, in, you know, I don't look at it as an exciting wild ride. There's heaps easier ways to have fun. Oh, I'm looking definitely. at it from a way of um, healing and clearing yep. um, and processing new things as well. Yeah, because that's the thing as well. Like, and I've um, only probably just started to do a lot of that uh, more deeper digging in, inside myself. Like, um, I saw, started seeing a, a therapist or like a, a counselor um, at the start of this year. And, um, and she like when when I was talking, she picked up on quite a few different things that I hadn't even realized um, before and and so then, like I was able to link them back to events in my in my childhood, my early childhood that um that kind of caused them like for instance i um I'm one that will just give so much energy to someone, like I will just put in all my effort to them and sometimes get nothing in return, but I'll keep putting my energy because I want to help them. I'm, I'm that way inclined. And, um, and she brought that up and, and it's like interesting that like, you know, that linked to an event back in the past and like that subconscious kind of level is a very, um, very interesting area, isn't it? And, and I suppose like those, those, um, plant-based medicines or meditation tap into that and bring that new new level of consciousness to the front well that's it mate it, it's you know and this is a hard thing for a lot of people to realize but once you have that aha moment and it starts to join the dots then you know that's that's when the game changes it it's like we're essentially on autopilot you know, for the majority of, of the way we exist and you know you obviously saw the presentation where I kind of explained that we're 5% conscious and 95% unconscious. So yeah. 95% of what we're doing is on autopilot and that 95% essentially comes from the first seven years. So, yeah. you know, it's a lot of pressure for a, a parent to have in terms of knowing that you can kind of, to a certain degree, make or break, you know, your, your child's life. And, and although, you know, our upbringing wasn't necessarily our fault, our fault, so to speak. Yeah where we choose to go from here is our responsibility. So, you know, if I look at mine, you know, I've been pretty um, open in saying that it was super challenging, but Mm -hmm. that, that doesn't determine my future because I get to choose that. And obviously, you know, it might be a little bit harder for me in terms of what was created in that first seven years and someone who might have slightly more conscious or aware or, or a healthier environment that I've brought up in. But at the same time, you know, the more you kind of just sit in, in that funk, the less you're going to kind of have an impact and make change. So, 
Um, while it's really important to understand that, you know, that first seven years really is the catalyst to who you become, it's only yeah. the catalyst to who you become until you are conscious of it and you start to choose something different. Yeah, that's it. And like that kind of forms our ego, doesn't it? Like that, um, that kind of subconscious or that, you know, unknown stuff is, is kind of forms that ego um, and sort of shapes us, but we can, we can sort of tap that and that comes through or break that, should I say, and that comes through that self-awareness, doesn't it? Mate, a hundred percent. And ego is, um, you know, something that I'm really big on because it was a catalyst yeah. for a lot of things in my life been a lot worse than they had to. Mm. Uh, and the hard thing about, ego or even to a certain degree narcissistic traits is because you are that way inclined you don't see it very quickly um all or the everything ego and narcissistic related comes before a level of awareness and ownership so until you can start to drop the ego you're going to find it quite hard to to move forward and you know ryan holiday's book ego is the enemy is one of the best books i've read yeah Uh, and for a lot of people, I think their understanding of ego is just, you know, arrogance or whatever, arrogance, yeah. you know, but it goes well beyond that. And it's really good to be able to fully grasp what the ego is. And then, you know, to a certain degree, I think, you know, a mate and I talk, talk about this now is we can almost laugh when our ego is trying to speak up or take control or whatever it is. And, and when you've got that, you know, almost healthy relationship with, with the ego, then, you're in a really good position to be able to kind of move forward. But while it's running your life and the identity that it's created and the perception, um, you're probably, yeah, you, you're heading maybe in the wrong direction. Yeah, yeah. And what, how do you sort of, you know, describe ego to clients or to like people that are coming in or like how can you help them to become self-aware to then, you know, form that better relationship or, or be more aware of their ego it, it, it's a tough one initially until you really understand and then you can kind of move through it quickly so um there's a couple of descriptions of it but ryan's description is the one that resonated with me best which is this perceived um perceived or perception of self that the formed self and that isn't that there's your true self and then there's the ego yeah. and where it shows up a lot is in you know being triggered so to speak so where you have some kind of emotional response either high or low whatever that looks like there's often a level of your identity that's been built and yeah. how that's been attacked or, or or wounded whatever it might be by the you know from an ego point of view so you know when i'm listening to it each day you know it might be like oh you know, an example um, not that long ago was, you know, in this group as, as part of a business, there was recognition for someone who did really well. Mm-hmm. And it was actually my idea. And my ego was like, fuck, like, hello? I'm here. <laughs> hello, give me recognition. I was the one who came up with a fucking idea. And 48 <laughs> hours, I was just like beating on about it, beating on it. And I, my ego just like wanted to be acknowledged and recognized for what it was. And I was like, it actually doesn't matter. It does not matter at all. And there's, there's something good and, and humbling about going, you know what? Sweet. They get the credit, whatever it is. Yeah. So mate, the ego, the ego is showing up 
each and every day. For some people, oh. it might not be as much, but for me, it was a lot. So it's, 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 it's a regular conversation that I'm having with the ego. Um, and mate, at the end of the day, ego is just, it's a, it's a lack of, um, it's a lack of true confidence really that like yeah. at the core of it. So it, definitely. You know, that's, that's, that, that can be even hard to stomach. The ego doesn't like stomaching that, you know? <laughs> so, um, but it, it's, it's, yeah, it's a lack of real self-esteem at, at the core of it. Yeah, that's it. And like, what are you doing daily to, um, like keep on top of that or to, you know, look after your, yourself essentially and stay grounded? I find the grounding thing um, challenging and it's like, that's never been, you know, like I've got a lot, like a, most of my mates are really humble and really grounded. Mm-hmm. And I, humility hasn't been my strongest point. Again, we come back to the fact that, you know, ego is just bullshit. And yep. at the core of real self-esteem is a sense of humility. So I had to, obviously I had to have a level of awareness before I could start to move into that. And for me, you know, what, what, and I explained this in, in the talk, is you need to bring something to light first and really work on it in order to put it back away. So what that means is I had to make it conscious and I had to work on it, work on it, and now it's almost been able to move back into the unconscious yeah. because I've spent so much time developing habits around it that I don't have to think about it. So, you know, in terms of the conversation I I would have with the ego is, you know, when this whole process started, probably, let's say May, June, July last year. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, mate, you know, I hope no one ever has to go through it. But for me, I had to be humbled by life like 10 or 11 hits over a 15 month period to, to be broken down to start to kind of rebuild and flourish in a very different slightly more humble way yeah so for that to happen i had to be knocked down hopefully again you know people don't have to be knocked down as hard as i did but it it was a very much a conscious choice every day of like be humble be more humble be more humble Mm -hmm. every day to the point where it started it it became ingrained and that's by no means means that um humility is my strongest trait but it's definitely one that i respect in people Mm -hmm. and um, still at the forefront of my mind, catch myself carrying on a bit like pork chop at times and need to bring myself back into alignment. Um, you know, because I really do see, you know, um, Ryan's book's called Ego's the Enemy and I really do see it as the enemy and, and a, a serious weakness and a very unattractive trait that I don't want to um, be known for. Definitely, yeah. I remember you actually saying, and I think this was like the example you were giving like at the event was um, around like money and financial situation and and like you brought light to that and then it, it made it sort of easier or not easier, but then you're able to just, you know, continue on with yeah. your life and, and not worry about it as much. 100%, yeah. And it, I mean, it, you know, like I said, it shows up for people in all different ways it can yeah. be you know they, they want to show off their their trophy girlfriend their money their car their house like mate it's all bullshit it's all yeah. bullshit and jim carrey said at best you know said everyone should experience fame and money to know that it's not the answer oh. and yeah. it's you know my favorite well, one of my favorite books is, is one by a guy called david brooks called second mountain 
And he talks very much about the first mountain that we climbed being very ego-driven, status, money, all of the, all of the mm-hmm. bullshit stuff. And society and the economy is essentially set up on that. You know, like it is set up on here's the yeah. carrot, come and, you know, feed. Like advertising is essentially, if you think about it, advertising is you're actually not perfect as you are. But if you buy our money or service, your life will be perfect. So we're constantly chasing this shit. Actually, at the core of it, doesn't really matter. And, you know, I said this last night on on our Momentum call. You've got three options on that first mountain. You keep going up and you keep getting more money, more money, bigger house, bigger house, whatever it might be. And, and that never ends. And that's, that's for a lot of people. That's, that's the reality. Option two is you kind of keep chasing and, and you, you get to these points where you're like, oh, I've got, the more mo- like, I've got more money. Last 24 hours and now I'm off and, and running again. Mm. And you start looking around going, this, this, this can't be right. This isn't, this isn't what life's about. Or you've got the third option, which is mine, is you get to the top of the first mountain, so to speak, whatever the top looks like for you. Yeah. And you fall off it into a valley. and um, you reassess everything. And that, with my ego, that had to happen for me to reassess what I value, what was important, yeah. and for me to be humbled. So um, as painful as that 15 months was, and I've, you know, I'm stoked to how the last eight months has played out, that humbling 15-month period was the most important period of my life. Yeah, definitely. And do you think that, like, because this is something I'm exploring as well myself and that like a lot of people, and I spoke with um, one of my guests last week and I released the episode yesterday. It was like, um, I don't know if you know um, Joe Dispenza. He talks yeah, about... Yeah, he's phenomenal. Yeah. yeah, so like I had Tom Gronin, um, Cronin on and, um, and we spoke about... Um, uh, sorry, we spoke about like how... We um we're some people get in this path and they they just like this life trajectory and they they just keep going up and and to the point where it just ruins them and then they have this massive massive sort of downfall um and I think that's kind of what the world is like at the moment is like we've we've been you know having these unsustainable practices these you know um things that are just destroying the economy destroying the world etc and now we're we're forced to sort of you know go inside and and self-reflect or be um with family and and go back to basics you know so um like you know the i think a lot of people they just don't see the point um or see that they need to change i suppose what i'm wanting to get at here is that like do you think people need to hit rock bottom and, and like get to that point and then go straight down or is there a point where they can change it? This is a sweeping generalisation, but I would say that most males need to hit rock bottom. Yeah. I think females are probably slightly proactive in reassessing things, and this is just from my own experience, yeah. than males. And, you know, at the core of it, and this is, I think this is a term coined either in psychology or in LP space, but at, at the core of it is until the pain of changing mm-hmm. is less than the pain of changing, of staying the same, people won't shift. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So um, that in itself is a really challenging position that until someone's really fucked, 
they're not going to they're not going to change and that's obviously not the most proactive approach but i look at what's going on at the moment and for me and the way that most people do life this would all be a waste of the painful two months that we've had if everyone went back to the way they were living before yeah like that's how yeah. i honestly see it so many people will live in really poor mate just like what blows my mind is if people just like took half a step back and reflected mm-hmm. on the way that we do life at the moment, then it would be pretty easy to start to ask questions. Like my big thing has always been to challenge status quo because yeah. I look at status quo and go, people are fucking miserable. They're unfulfilled. Relationships aren't working. They're heavily overweight and unhealthy. Like which, which bit of the way we're doing life is working because I'm looking at the main stats and going, well, they don't fucking add up. Why would anyone want to take the approach that the majority are, are, are taking? Because they just, they don't yeah. add up. So I've, I've, I probably, you know, my dad's got it as well. I've probably always had that kind of rebellious streak in me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Janoa, Janoa and I joke about this at times. There's definitely ways that it works for me and definitely some ways where I should probably put a fucking lid on it. But you know, one of the ways that it does work for me is questioning, going, fuck this. This doesn't add up for me. Like the way we're doing life doesn't work. So I'm going to choose something different. So um, yeah, it'd be a real shame if people went back to the way they're living because how they're living isn't working for them. Yeah. Cause like I see a lot of um, people that I went to school with or like people around me, um, especially young people, like they, you know, are just getting through school, don't know what they like, don't know what they're interested in. They, they go off to uni and do the first year of uni and fail a lot of subjects um, and the stresses build up. And then, you know, they, they drop out of uni, they get a, a job like that's not fulfilling, um, an office job or, you know, working on a farm or, you know, doing something hard yakka that they don't like and they just stay in that for the rest of their lives or, mm. you know, stay in for a, a long period of time. And it's, um, it's disappointing to see that. Um, and I, I probably am, am very lucky and, and very, um, I suppose, thankful that um, I've found something that I really enjoy early on. Um, and I, I'm in a place where I can sort of see, you know, um, a lot of different things in a different perspective. Um, but like, you know, I think that's one of the hardest things for men, isn't it as well? Like we, we have these stereotypes, we have these things around, like, you know, we're, we've got to get, get married. We've got to, you know, be able to support the family. Um, and you know, you've got to be strong, um, and, and not let things affect us. Well, mate, it's the six point, it's the six point plan. And I can't remember who talks about it, but it's essentially grow up, get a university degree, get a wife, get a house, yeah. get Alzheimer's and get dead. Like those are your six points. And I look at that and go, well, fuck, like it doesn't sound great to me. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So yeah. um, it, it's, you know, the hard thing for a lot of people and, and, you know, I've got my kind of own theories on what's going on at the moment, but the hard thing for a lot of people is they're so we're so conditioned from a young age that our ability to like critically think for ourselves just gets mm-hmm. kind of lost. Yeah. So, you know, in terms of 
you know, your parents are your idols from such a young age. And then, and obviously every parent means the best from yeah. my understanding anyway. And then, you know, they tell you what they think you should do at university. And often it's following mm-hmm. the footsteps of your, your dad. And you're like, fuck, I don't want to be a fucking, you know, doctor. Like, yeah. I'm a dentist because my dad was a dentist, but yet dentistry's got the, one of the highest rates of like depression, suicide of, of all industries. Yep. You know, it looks great on, on my wall because, you know, I've got 97 and a half, but I actually just want to be a fucking a labourer or yeah. I want to own my own cafe. Like, yeah. you know, that one, of the, one of the freest and best things you can do is just let, you know, your, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your kids be, be them. Don't, yeah. don't fuck with them. They're not, you know, like... I think even from a, a parental point of view, just you can, you can nurture them mm-hmm. and, you know, keep us, and this is what conscious parenting is about. You can nurture them and, and keep them safe, but let them fucking, let them explore them, themselves. Let them work it all out themselves. They'll work it out. They're, they're real smart. We're the ones, you know, you'll see it everywhere on Facebook that they, you know, NASA's, um, brains trust think that we're yeah. born fucking geniuses and then social conditioning in society makes us like dumber and dumber. So just allow people to freely explore themselves and be the best version Yeah, um, is, is I think the best thing that you can do for anyone. Yeah, definitely. And I love that. Um, like you, you mentioned that about relationships as well. Like, you know, I think sometimes in relationships we we try and like either please the other person or try and have them do the things we really want when they don't want to um and i think it's a, a you know important thing to let each other be who they are it's big and I, i'm really big on this at the moment because mm-hmm. um i haven't done that in the past and that's like you know I, I try to make peace with my past, but I also am a bit, you know, annoyed that with, with such amazing women that I've had in my life that I couldn't just let them be the amazing versions of them. Like I had to tell them what was right or what's wrong. Or, yeah. you know, my own stuff got in the way of our relationship as opposed to, you know, I've said this a lot in the last couple of weeks, like the best thing that I could do is let them be the fullest, most authentic version of them. Because, yeah. you know, I think from a female point of view, and, and this is a conversation I have a lot with girls in my life, is like they've been suppressed a lot in, in very different ways that blokes have. Their sexuality has been shamed. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been told they're too much. And for us to just let them be untamed essentially is quite confronting for a lot of blokes. But that's not their problem. It's fucking blokes' problem to sort this shit out and go, well, you're actually triggering me. I feel like I'm not in control of you or... Like you, you, you've got this all on your own. You actually don't need whatever that is. That's your shit. Just let yeah. them be, let them run free as the, the best, most fullest, happiest, authentic version of them. It's challenging. Oh yeah, definitely. And um, like it's, um, oh, I don't know where, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a, an interesting sort of point, isn't it? And like, you know, we, we definitely do try and try and shape, um, shape people. But as you said, like, just being who you are is, is so important. And um, what, what are you sort of saying to guys that are, you know, trying to control or, or sort of in, in that point? Um, well, it, it kind of comes back to, it, it, it comes back to 
unconditional love, support, and radical acceptance. And what I mean by that is we have this innate ability to like someone for who they are, so to speak. And then as, as we get into a relationship, we kind of want to mold them into what makes us feel comfortable because, yeah. you know, if, if they trigger us by going out till 2am, we have this story about how they've been up to mischief with us that they're probably just having a fun night with the girls. So, yeah. you know, we, we kind of get angry and they like start to contract and shrink. And what you really want, albeit very challenging from an unconditional love, is for them to be expansive and, and be, be full as opposed to contract and have to play small because you've got your, you know, your own insecurities and your jealousies and shit that you're kind of worried about. Like, mm. that's your shit. Everything that, like, you respond by is for you to explore and to have a level of introspection and look at it and go, well, what is it about that, that situation that, you know, and, and if you can communicate that and if, if you don't feel the need to communicate it, then go and process it yourself. It's, it's nothing to do with them. They're just highlighting for you the shit that you have to work on. You know, yeah. and, and I, I talk about this a bit, an ex-girlfriend, not the one that I broke up with last year, but one from way back. Like, she was pole opposite to everything that I am. Pole opposite. Introspection yeah. Yeah. or introvert, slightly more extrovert. Academic, non-academic. Real amazing family. You know, not much family for me. Like, pole opposites. Mm-hmm. And the way that I saw a lot of that relationship was... Oh, how fucking annoying or she's, she's this, she's that. It's like, not really. All it is is the polar opposite to me and I haven't found a level of acceptance for who she is, which actually really comes back to self because everything we project out is just a reflection of self and I had to find a level of acceptance with me, who I was, how I did life in order to be able to accept her because all she's shown me is my shadow. So I don't know if you, you know Carl Jung, his work, is the shadow is the part of us that we haven't accepted. So if I'm an extrovert, like high on the extrovert scale, which I'm not as much extrovert as I thought I was, then I, my shadow work is introvert and I'll probably have judgment around introverts. If I'm really right. fit and healthy, you know, my shadow yeah. is what would it be like you know, to be a really unhealthy, overweight person and often make judgment on that. Yeah. So the shadow work is, you know, you being able to essentially be whole because you should be able from a duality point of view, you shouldn't be too fixed in one spot and you should be able to kind of move your way through. So where you have that shadow, instead of trying to constantly run away from it, which is essentially what I was doing in that relationship, I should have actually been leaning into it and going, well, that actually makes me feel uncomfortable or I'm making judgment on her. Fuck, yeah. who am I to make judgment on, you know, this amazing person who was so different to me? Give a fuck. I'm not right. You know? Exactly. So, yeah. Oh, mate. It's, and, and, you know, a number of the best psychologists of all time have always been of the big belief that your three biggest areas of growth will be your relationship, you, you know, running your own business and your kids. Mm. And you can look at them as problems or you can go, this is like, this is it's actually good. growth. This is growth yeah. for me. So... It's all in how you frame it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I wanted to touch on what um, you're doing and, and what you're advising other people to, to sort of do in this time where we, we are, you know, not able to do much. And I know South Australia is a bit more relaxed, but in Victoria here, we, we definitely do have um, more restrictions in place and, um, and things are more looking long-term in terms of those sort of, you know, restrictions there. Mm. Um, 
what are you saying to blokes out there or just to people in general, what they should be doing? I think, oh, mate, there's, there's a number of schools of thought. I think, you know, at the core of it is definitely some routine and habits. Yeah. And Gilles and Gilles and, and Janelle and I have spoken about this a lot. We habitually um, are pretty good because we've always had this kind of lifestyle where we run our own thing, so to speak. Yeah. Whereas if you've had structure, you know, you've you had to be at your desk at eight or nine or whatever till five, at the very least is creating routine and habit. I think the other thing is, you know, and you said it earlier, is I think for a lot of people, this is a really good opportunity to reassess what's important to them. Yeah. And, you know, one of the, the things that I'm talking a fair bit to the boys about is like, if you, if you don't know what you stand for from a values point of view, or if you don't know what your values are, you know, either what you value in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, career, relationship, whatever, or what your values are, honesty, fun, integrity, whatever it may be. Now's a really good time to try and reassess or look into it and then start to realign and start to live your life a bit differently if it, you know, if you're one of those people that felt it hasn't worked for you. So those are big things. Obviously, you know, Genoa, Dills and I have spoken a lot about the next epidemic coming through as, as, as being loneliness. loneliness yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously a big part of loneliness is, is, is isolation. So what can you do to create connection? And, you know, I've said this to you before as well, is loneliness isn't about the people or the number of people that you've got around you. It's about the ability mm-hmm. to connect and have something kind of meaningful as a, as a collective. And, you know, I've been in a relationship where I felt lonely. I've been in a room full of 50 people where I felt yeah. lonely. And that was because we weren't sharing anything, you know, of meaningful value to both of us. So, yeah. You know, people like you and obviously, you know, Dills and Chinara I could speak to for hours on end um, and, and, and have that, that element of my world feel, feel full. So Yeah, definitely. That, you know, connection, community, um, communication are really big and, and trying to find a way to navigate that. And, and even simple things like FaceTiming someone instead of calling mm-hmm. them makes a massive difference from, from how it feels. Yeah. So there's a number of things, but I think, you know, and, and obviously reading and, and starting to create new levels of awareness and educating yourself on, you know, the importance of mindset because, you know, obviously that's my area of interest, mental health, mindset, and men's work yeah. is it's big, you know, it's big and, it, and it's, it's pretty fucked at the moment, mate. It's, you know, I read a report yesterday that, um, you know, suicidal calls or, or people seeking help is, was up 8,000% yeah. in um, March. It, it's fucked. Yeah. So, you know, starting to, to really um, reassess what's important to you. And, I've, you know, I've, I've said this to you on, in, in the um, event. Like, for me, if I look at a values thing, mental health and my mindset is number one, which ties in with personal growth and, mm-hmm. and area of interest. And number two is my physical health. Mate, take anything. Take my car, take my computer, take like anything that I own. I don't give a fuck. Like yeah. I can always find it back as long as you don't take my mental health. You know, I spoke about this last year with Janelle when I was getting hit by life. Like car, you know, I was in negotiations with Jeep because my car fucking blew up when it shouldn't have. Girlfriend, everything was just stripped away from me. And I said to him, I was like, um, mate, as long as I've got my mental health and my physical health, I'm, I'm good to go. And then the next week I fucking end up in hospital with yeah. what they thought was meningitis. But 
Um, you know, as long as I've got those two things, yeah, I don't care. Like, take it all. So, um, I think reassessing what you value and and knowing on a deep level what you value, not what society tells you you can value, because I can guarantee that those mm. two things are going to be different. Um, but what you truly value, and and there's some overarching themes around meaningful work, meaningful connection, getting in touch with nature, which we mentioned at the start. Yeah. At the start that as a collective we we should value and will improve our happiness but it's also up to you to work out your value hierarchy and, yep. and what's in what order for you yeah definitely i think you know this time is is perfect for that and um like i'm really trying to speak about it more in the podcast and and put it out there that you know that just take the time to sit with yourself, sit in that stillness and, and sort of, you know, reflect. And if that means like having to write a journal or, you know, meditate or just go for a walk in nature or go for a walk somewhere where you're not thinking about anything else, but that moment is, mm-hmm. is so important. Um, Cause yeah, that kind of brings in into what we actually do value. And, and like, I think that ties in really well with like gratitude as well, like what we're really grateful for in our lives. And, and, you know, as you said, like you, you value your, your health and your mindset and, you know, that materialistic stuff, if that was taken away, it wouldn't matter. And I think a lot of, a lot of people do put a lot of value on materialistic stuff, but that doesn't actually bring us, you know, true happiness or joy, does it? It's more, more those connections, I think. And, you know, appreciating ourselves is is what means a lot 100 percent, mate and you know if there is one book that i recommend people reading it's lost connections and you know when i read it it really probably solidified what i what i kind of knew but in a really um manageable way yeah and you know i would have sent it to i I think i got four or five copies sent them to mates and would have recommended it to another you know 10 odd people who have read it, Genoa and, and deals went on and read it and like, well, fuck yeah, it's, that's brilliant. Yeah. And that, that, that says it all, you know, in terms of what, what on a deep level we actually value and what society's deemed valuable or what we should value. And, and they're very different. And there's no surprise that from a mental health point of view, you know, we're deteriorating because we've, we've decided to, you know, value yeah. things that aren't, aren't, aren't actually of deep importance to us yeah yeah that's it um we could go on for hours here i reckon um but i'll wrap it up because i am conscious that i um am taking up a bit of your time there um but um i'll end with two questions um yep. if you were to give any advice to your 18 year old self what advice would that be find a role model and a mentor and yeah spend more time in self-awareness and introspection than trying to be someone that you're not. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. And what sparks you now, mate? Uh, The opportunity to, or the goal, opportunity and goal to create generational change amongst men. Yeah. I love that. Amazing. It's so, so good. And I just, when I, um, cause I, I came across Dylan first, um, through Denny Kennedy and, um, I, I think Dylan was on a podcast with Denny and I, 
listened to it and I just kept listening back to that podcast because it was just so powerful. Um, and when I saw that there was two other blokes that he was working with, you and Genoa, and that you're forming momentum, I was just like, geez, this is unreal. And, and after that event, um, I just, yeah, it, it made a lot of sense for a lot of areas. And, um, and I commend you and, and the other two blokes for, for the work that you do and, and looking forward to seeing where, where it goes for you. Mate, I, yeah, I appreciate that. You know, in, in our eyes, it's what we've done so far is obviously, you know, like a piss in the ocean, but it's a good start. And, you know, we've got a big goal. Yeah. Um, and, you know, generational change is a very strong um, goal of ours and, and yeah. obviously a, a really significant thing. So yeah. there's lots of work to, to be done. And, you know, we're super grateful for people like you who are, who are on board and on side and, you know, and, and open to it, which is mm. you know, with, with where we're at as a, as a gender um, puts you in the minority. But, you know, with, with every single extra person that's open to it, we start to open that can of worms and be able to make the, the change that we're after. So, you yeah. know, we kind of need blokes like you who are open to it to be able to make that change and, and the flow on effect is amazing. So, mate, we love, you know, the three of us all love your energy and what you're doing and, you know, hope that you can have an impact where you are and, and you know, hopefully we can continue to have a, an impact on you and, and people yeah. like you. Yeah, cheers, mate. I really do appreciate it. And I just... Yeah, connect so well with you three. Um, it's it's been amazing, and I haven't been able to get onto the um, the seven pm um, lives or the the Zoom calls. I, I briefly got on the other other week, but I had to head off. Um, but yeah, they're they're definitely are very valuable. I've watched them back and stuff. So. Ah, good. Yeah, well, mate, that's what we're about. You know, there's. There's, there's plenty of struggles and, and problems that the blokes are having, and we just want to be the avenue that can help them with solutions. So yeah. um, that's ever evolving, and yeah, we're, we're grateful for people like you to uh, to be involved. Cheers, mate. Oh, well, we'll end it there. Thank you so much for jumping on, mate. Appreciate it. Beautiful. Thank. What a ripper episode that was with Blake, the man himself. Um, I was so excited for this chat because. Blake is someone that, um, along with Dylan and um, along with um, uh, Genoa, that I just resonate so well with. And every time I've seen them or messaged them or caught up with them, you know, I just um, you know get so so much out of them, and their energy levels are insane. Um, very inspiring, and and they're three blokes that I definitely look up to. Um, a lot so you know hats off to them and and they really are building a fantastic movement there and um and i liked what blake said at the end there that he wants to you know have generational change and that's that's huge but um those three are more than capable of doing it and, and i'm here to support them and and go along the journey with them um so yeah i was pretty stoked to get blake on and, and finish off the trio and have um have the three three blokes on so yeah if you're a male out there um, definitely get in and, and follow those three blokes um, and go to the Momentum Lifestyle Instagram page and they actually have a, a Facebook group, a, a free private Facebook group and, um, and I've gotten so much out of that. And they, they do um, Zoom chats every Thursday night at 7pm and I've only been able to make 
like 10 minutes of one of them, but you know, I watch them back and they they are really, really beneficial. So I just wanted to get in and, and, you know, say my three takeaways from this episode and, and they're sort of all, all similar and all around, um, our ego basically and and wanted to talk about that a little bit more and and something um i suppose ego is something that i'm learning more about and and picking up and on what my ego is and, and what my ego is telling me and it's really interesting but um you know as as blake said and as the you know the momentum lifestyle sort of you know base themselves on is that you know self-awareness uh, or should I say change starts with self-awareness and that's really really important and something that you know I'm trying to have as a reoccurring theme in all my podcasts and you know I, it, I don't necessarily aim to, to talk about it all the time but you know it all always comes up is around this self-awareness and that self-awareness starts with you know going within and, and doing some of that, you know, excavation work yourself. And I'm not going to, you know, talk about it a huge amount because I talked about it last week a lot. But, you know, meditation and journaling and, you know, just being out in nature really do help um, bring that self-awareness to the forefront. And, um, and so that's my first takeaway is, you know, change starts with self-awareness okay you can't can't change your old habits can't change things until you become self-aware okay and it makes sense my second takeaway is around ego and how once we become self-aware we've just got to you know have that chat with our ego and have that conversation and it's an ongoing thing and something that doesn't stop um, but you know, once we do notice the little things, then we can, um, pull ourselves up and, and not, you know, let our ego control us. And, and this has showed up multiple times in my life now that I think about it, you know, and, um, and I'm going to be completely honest about this because I think it's, it's important to be completely honest. Um, literally just the other day, um, I've been running these, these stretching sessions on um, on a, a Facebook page for the Bendigo Resis and um, and they are quite long videos that I've been putting up and you know I've put up three last week and and one on Monday and I was thinking to myself that you know I wonder if anyone's getting anything out of it and you know I was thinking oh you know the ten minutes is quite long and so. And actually, one of the one of the RAs messaged the group and said, "You know, what's the go with these stretching videos?" And I sort of explained it, and then I asked for some feedback. And once I got the feedback, you know, there was some really, really good feedback in there. But I thought to myself, "Oh, I, I know this. You know, I, I knew this already. I, you know, should be able to. Um, I was going to make this change, these changes, and and all this. Um, and that was my my ego talking. And I was like, "Oh, hang on, hang on a minute, you know." I, for one, didn't know um, or didn't think of all the, the, the ideas myself um, that was coming in from the, the feedback. And I was like, okay, let's take a step back and let's go, wow, actually, you know, this is really, really good, some of the, the ideas that were coming in. Um, and so it was like my ego trying to say that, you know, I'm perfect and 
I I've nailed the videos or I've nailed nailed each one of them um, or what I'm doing is perfect and doesn't need changing you know and, and that's my ego and that's you know um, not a reflection of my true self and that's essentially what our ego is our ego isn't a, a reflection of our true selves it's it's how society has kind of influenced us basically so that was that was really interesting and you know, I've only recently been able to start picking up on little little things like that um, in accordance with my ego. So, yeah. But um, ego is, is something that we need to all work on and we all have. And we all, you know, need to work on ourselves, do that self-awareness, self-reflection stuff. And then, you know, we can start to become aware of our ego. And my third and final one is around uh, relationships. And, you know, Blake was saying that uh, with relationships, we just need to let the person that we are in a relationship with be themselves. It doesn't have to be a boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, friends, for instance. Just let that person be themselves, be their true, authentic selves. Don't control them. And, and that's something that I learned from my last relationship is um is not to over over control or over help just let them you know go along the journey themselves and that's that's really important okay so yeah i think there's some really really good ones in in this chat and and i went into this conversation with blake with no questions no topics no agenda i just wanted to you know pull apart his story and and sort of go from there and it's really interesting and you probably noticed that I stumbled or, you know, uh, repeated myself a few times in, in, the, in the episode, but I think it was a really good chat and I got a lot out of it. And Blake is just a, a bloke I really do look up to and I, I really do thank him. And, and I'm so, so sort of, you know, proud and happy to be a part of this momentum movement and to support the blokes in, in everything that they do. So big shout out to those three, you know, Dylan Roos, Joanna, uh, Jonah, oh my God, <laughs> um, Genoa, should I say, and, and Blake. So yeah, anyway, that's it for this episode. I'll um, catch you next week. And you know, I'm still pumping out these episodes each week. So stay tuned. I got some, um, some good guests coming up hopefully soon. Um, but as always, get out there and spark that conversation with your loved ones, spark that conversation with friends, just message that person you haven't spoken to in ages. It makes a difference, okay? Because the conversation is progress. Peace out, everyone.